At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You got to ditch the pitch, right? We hashtag ditch the pitch. And the big one is assuming the sale. According to the data, very low on the persuasion pole. Hence, that's where the term, I believe, sales as a numbers game comes from, is because you're causing it to be a numbers game because you're pushing so many people away by pressuring them. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. My name is Tyler Martin. I'm your host. I'm so excited about today's interview. This is one of my favorite topics and arguably one of the most important skills a business owner can have. So I'm pumped to have Jeremy Miner on the show. We're talking about sales, persuasion, and influence. Jeremy is the real deal. He's a former seven-figure-a-year commission earner who now runs a highly successful sales training company. He has a unique sales methodology that combines behavioral science and human psychology. Jeremy is passionate about helping companies close more sales in less time by learning how to communicate with today's skeptical and savvy buyers. Not only does Jeremy have 17 years of sales experience, but he also has been ranked as the number 45th highest earning producer out of more than 100 million salespeople by the Direct Selling Association. Jeremy believes that the most effective way to sell in 2022 is to be a problem finder and a problem solver, not a product pusher. In this episode, we talk about, are salespeople born or are they developed? Why scripts are one of the most important tools you can have? What it takes to sell to today's buyer? And finally, why chasing your prospects is old school and what you should be doing instead. This is going to be one you're going to want to take notes. So pull out Evernotes, OneNote, your pen and paper, whatever you need. Jeremy is a rapid fire and doesn't hold back type of guy. I know this episode will help you reach more people with your product or your service. Let's hear from Jeremy now. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? You know, I'm chilling like a villain, just, uh, you know, trying to stay out of trouble over here, get a few things done. How are you, my friend? Doing good? I'm, yeah, I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to have you. I've really learned a lot about you in the last couple of weeks researching. I want to start first with... Well, uh, I'm not that 
cool, but <laughs> thanks, man. That's that's a nice compliment. Well, some of the questions I have, I, I think people are going to know the opposite about you after this thing. You are that cool. First, I want to start with you. Know you're a seven figure annually sales commission guy, or you were at one point. Do I have yeah, that? Yeah, sales career. Yeah, for sure. That is awesome. Like, how many years do you do that for? Because those are big so dollars. I, yeah, I, I was in my sales career for about seventeen years. Retired. So I retired for about two years. And then I was sitting around just trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was doing a little bit. I mean, when I say retire, I was like doing some part-time consulting because I was having companies come to me like, hey, we heard you were sold all this because I sold almost $300 million worth of products during that 17-year period. So I made a you know a few bucks on that and stuff. The commissions were good. But anyway, so I had companies come to me. It was like, hey, do some consulting. And they were from various industries. And I started doing that part-time. And then I started seeing all these ads on Facebook and IG. This is like around 2017 or so. And they were from all these sales gurus and they were talking about things. And I'm like, man, that's not really like, that's not even true. Like if I sold that way, I would have made 10% of what I actually made as a salesperson. I was a W2 or 1099 salesperson in four different industries, two B2B and then two business to consumers. I know the, you know, both of them are different sales processes, but I know them very, very well. And so I was like, I can't believe people are following these people. Like what they're saying is not even real. I'm like, these guys haven't even sold for decades and they're teaching skills that have been around, you know, they're they're like dinosaur age techniques. And so it really got me fired up. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna lock myself in my man cave. And then six months later, I came out and I, I'd written like a whole training, virtual training platform. So that's kind of where it all started. Share a little bit what you're doing now in terms of where that's taken you today. Because I know you have just some phenomenal testimonials. I, My finger got tired. I was scrolling the testimonials for so long. We have almost 6,000. <laughs> yeah, we have almost 6,000. So we started the company about three and a half, four years ago. So, I mean, it's just crazy forever uh, long ago. And the first year we're, you know, we got a lot of results for clients, but it was me, my assistant, and one sales guy. And I was trying to figure out what to do to run a business. And then about three years ago, I brought in our current CEO and business partner, and then we just started scaling. So Inc. Magazine uh, ranked us the number one, some award last year. I think it was the number one fastest growing sales training company in the United States on their Inc. 5000 top fastest growing wow. company list. So we were ranked number one. So we were proud of that, not because of just making money, but because you can only get that type of ranking if you're getting your clients' big-time results, right? Because right. you don't grow and scale that big if you're not getting your clients' results. So ultimately, that's really what we're... I mean, that's what you're in business for, right? You're trying to find... Uh, you're trying to obviously help your prospects find and solve problems that maybe they don't know they have. And that's typically what we see with with companies and salespeople is they just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. What I love about your testimonials too, reading quite a few of them, is they were very tangible in terms of results. They weren't like, hey, this is the greatest program ever. Jeremy has nice hair. I really, <laughs> I really like Jeremy's teeth. Or, you know, we don't count the yeah. I mean, because I always make fun of sales trainers like you, because I'll see testimonials and I'm like, they use the same 10. Is that all they have? And one says his hair looks nice, the other one says he drives really nice cars. I'm like, that's not tangible results. When we look at testimonies, the only ones we count are like, if they're an individual salesperson, there might be one that says, hey, I used to make five to six or seven grand a month in commissions after Jeremy's training. Now I'm making 20 or 25 grand a month in commissions. That's a real tangible result or a, a business. you know, Let's say it's a, it could even be a Fortune 100 to Fortune 500 to SMB, whatever, that maybe we got them uh, you know, a 200% uplift in sales. That's a tangible result. So to me, in my mind, like testimonials are only tangible. Like you said, I get really annoyed when I see testimonies from other people that I'm like, that's not even a testimonial. 
That doesn't count. That doesn't um, even count. You can't post that. So I got a question for you. So on the show, we talk to business owners that want to scale their business. And that usually means some component of that scaling is building a sales team or adding their first salesperson or maybe their second one. What is your thought on, are people born salespeople or do you make them into salespeople? And what are your thoughts around that? Because this is an interesting conversation to me because a lot of people have very strong different opinions on it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I can tell you what the science and the data says I yeah. mean, outside of opinion. So the science and data says that no one is born a sales professional. It's not like you're born out of your mother's womb, having advanced questioning skills and advanced tonality skills that get your prospects to pull you in. Anybody raise your hand if you were born out of your mother's womb with advanced questioning, listening, and tonality skills? No, nobody has, right? It's like saying, it's like saying you know, professional golfers were born golfers. They weren't born golfers. Like it's all technique that you have to learn. Like nobody's born with that skill. It's a technique that you actually learn. You know, there's this big myth out there like, oh, they have the gift of the gab. They must be, they could sell anything. But according to the data, people that have the gift of the gab that talk a lot typically are average or below average sales performers. That's just what the data shows. Like they might talk a lot and talk a good game, but they're not really selling that much. Like today's consumer you know, this is not 1965. I mean, we're talking 2022. This is not the 1980s boiler room selling. Like today's consumer doesn't want to be talked at and sold to. They want to be asked, heard, and more importantly, understood. And you can only do that. Your prospects only trust you and they only view you as an expert by your skill level and the questions you're asking them that builds a gap in their mind from where they are. We call that like their current state compared to where they want to be. We call that their objective state. Now, what's the gap in the middle? The gap in the middle is only determined by your skilled questioning that builds the gap of problems that they didn't know they have, right? Because I think all of us know this. We just never talk about it. But like most, most of your prospects don't even know they have a problem when you first start talking to them right? Or maybe they know they have a problem, but they're not really sure how bad that problem really is. Or maybe they don't understand the consequences of what will happen if they don't do anything about solving that problem, right? So through your questioning techniques, that builds that gap in their mind from where they are compared to where they want to be that causes them to view you as the expert, as the trusted authority who's going to get them the results they want. It has nothing to do with the gift of the gap. It's all about your questioning, listening, and tonality and delivery skills. Those are acquired skills, period. There's no debate about that at this point. So I want to dig. You, you've used the word twice and it immediately popped out at me. You were kind enough to share an advanced copy of your book. I believe you're going to be releasing it in the near future, which is awesome, by the way. Yeah, so don't release you. that. Yeah, yeah. I, no, it's top so secret. Fall, man. I don't, I'm not going to say the title. It's that top okay, secret. All right. But I will say you talk in the book and you just now brought it up as tonality. And I rarely hear salespeople talk about this. Can you share what is tonality and why is it important? Tonality is how you're asking a question. The delivery. Right. It's the delivery of your questions. Like, look at some of the greatest speakers in the world. Okay. Now, uh, look at like politicians, for example. And I'm not political at all. I just want to, you know, sure. I'm sure you have people that believe this way and believe that way. I'm just right down the middle. I'm, I just focus on sales training because that's what I do. You guys, I'll let everybody else argue about the <laughs> politics. So when I look at politicians and presidents, I just watch them because I like to see how they communicate their message, regardless if I like the message or not. Right. So one great person that was really, really good with their tonality was President Obama. So when you would hear President Obama speak, you're going to notice he would say something or he would ask a question and he would have a long verbal pause. 
Now, that's not something he was born with. That is something that somebody, I guarantee you, trained him how to do. Because when you have verbal pauses after you make a point, it triggers your audience to tune in and think deeper about what you just said or asked. Now, on the flip side, like President Trump or like, well, President Biden, President Trump speak way differently, but like President Trump would talk, you know, very fast and kind of go all over the place and stuff like that. And some people like that, but it doesn't really force you to think deep. President Biden as well, not the best communicator in in my opinion, okay? But if I look like Tony Robbins, you're going to notice the same thing in his events. When he says something really, really important or he asks a very critical question, he'll pause and you'll notice the audience just looks up and they think deeper about what he just said or asked. So your verbal pausing and how you're, it's not just, it's not how you're saying the question. Like if I ask what, what's called a consequence question, let me give you an example. Sure. If I asked a consequence question, now consequence questions are important. You want to ask them about three fourths of the way during your discovery phase of your, of your sales conversations, whether you're in a one call close B2C or two call close, or if you sold, you know, B2B in a complex sound environment, you might have a first call discovery. And towards the Third part of that, after you've helped them see where they are, where they want to be, okay, we're going to ask a consequence question that rips that future state or objective state away from them, that forces them to defend themselves on why they need to make a change now. That helps build urgency. So let's say I'll just start a random industry. Let's say if I'm selling lead services, let's say I sell leads to companies, uh, for example. Okay, I was working on one of those scripts a little bit earlier before this call. And let's say that the problem the company I'm speaking with is they're just getting a lower quality lead and their salespeople are complaining about the leads and their sales are stagnating. Let's just say that's the problem. That's the real problem, right? Whether that's in the salesperson's mind or not, it's a different story, okay? So if I if my consequence question was this, okay, but what, what happens if you don't do anything about this? You keep getting these lower quality leads, sales keep stagnating, for the next three, six, 12 months. Like what happens then compared to if I said, what happens if you don't do anything about this, John, and your sales keep stagnating and you keep getting these lower quality leads to your salespeople the next three, six or 12 months? I said pretty much word for word the same question. I asked the same question, but what was the difference in how I asked that? The first way, see my pausing around certain aspects I'm wanting to, to help them see. Okay, but what happens if you don't do anything about this. You keep getting these low quality leads and your sales keep stagnating the next three, six, even 12 months or now. See the tonality I did, the pausing compared to the second way. That The way I just asked that is going to get a far deeper psychological impact with my prospects and get them to think deeper about shit, what's going to happen if I don't do anything compared to me just saying that like word for word fast. They're not, it's just a knee-jerk question that's going to get a knee-jerk reaction. That's an example of tonality. Now you can't teach tonality in a book, but we talk about it in the book for sure, but you can't teach that because nobody can hear you. Right. (laughs) Now I heard you use the word script. One, do you believe in scripts? And then two, doesn't that make the tonality part a little bit harder to train people to deliver? Well, first of all, you have to have a sales structure to follow. Otherwise, you're winging it. Right? I see so many salespeople that are just winging it. And it's the same way, like, let's say you're an actor or actress in Hollywood. They have scripts and they True. have lines, right? True. So when they're in the movie, pretty much everything they say is what? Scripted, but they memorize the script and they perform the script. As a sales professional, you do the same thing. You don't just sit there and read it. Like if, if they were an act, like an actress in Hollywood, if they get on the movie, like, so John, 
what should we do today? Should we go to the grocery store? Like that's going to sound weird, right? That's scripted. That's going to sound scripted. So we have to, we have to memorize our lines as a sales professional. Look, if you want to make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as a sales professional, or if you're a business owner and you want to scale your company, let's say you're a seven-figure company and you want to scale to eight figures or your eight figures, you want to scale to nine figures. Well, your salespeople have to learn advanced skills to be able to get your company to that level. Otherwise, you're going to stay where you're at. So we have to memorize our lines, which it's not rocket science, memorizing some questions, right? Right. So when I say script, I don't mean like, I think a lot of people think when I say script, they mean like a two paragraph, like telemarketing script. Hello, John, uh, the reason why I called you, I mean, no, that's not a real script. When I say sales structure, like there's a series of questions from connecting questions that take the focus off you, put it on your prospect, situation questions that help you and the prospect find out their current situation. So I've got a few of those written down on my script. Uh, then I want to ask problem awareness questions, okay, that help them find out what their real problems are, the root cause of the problems, how the problem's affecting them personally. Solution awareness questions that get them to focus on what their future is going to look like once these problems are solved. Consequence questions, just give you an example a minute ago get them to question their way of thinking and why they allow the problem to keep happening. Like what are the consequences if they don't do anything? Okay. So when I say sales script, it's more like a structure of questions that we're going to follow. And sometimes we're going to have to ask a few different questions depending on what the prospect says, but we have to have a structure because if we don't, what's the alternative? Your salespeople are just out winging it on every single call and you have nothing, you have no predictable results and no predictable way to scale as a business owner when all your salespeople are saying different things, asking way different questions, and they're all just winging it. You have nothing, you don't know what's going on, yeah, right? Yeah. No, that's right on. So, and that hits me like a wall when you say like an actor, you I know, mean, they don't true. deliver it like it sounds like a script, which is so true. You know, like, let's say you watch a George Clooney film. I mean, it's not like when you watch him, you you look at him as the character he's portraying. You don't watch him like, oh, George Clooney. No, you're watching him as Danny on Ocean's Eleven, right? Or whoever he plays in any movie. Like he's playing that character and he's memorized his questions in his line. And so it sounds natural. Yeah. It doesn't sound scripted. Yeah. Now, probably one of the most overused phrases ever, no like, and trust. People won't buy from you unless you know, like, and trust them. Is that still true? Or what's your thoughts? And on you that? know, hey, that comes from a great book. It's... um how to win friends and influence people. It's back here on my shelf. But, you know, Dale Carnegie, that's a great book. He he brings up a lot of points, but here's the only issue. That was written in 1936. Mm -hmm. It's 2022. I hate to tell everybody listening to this, your prospects are not the same. They don't have the same buying behaviors as they did in 2022. Think about it. In 1936, what was the bridge between a company and the consumer? Was it TV? Nope. Was it the internet? Nope. Was it social media? Nope. The only way that they a person could learn about your product or service was really through radio and newspaper or somebody coming around to their door, right? They had to have salespeople. People expected to be educated by a salesperson about your products or services. But in our day and age, with the power of the internet, especially social media, we live in the information age. That information to know everything about your company, your products, your services, your price points, who your competitors are, how long you've been in business, your reviews, they can do that by simply 
pushing, like going to Google on their smartphone, just doing a Google search, okay? Because of that newfound power, your prospects will no longer be manipulated or pressured by pushy salespeople because they know they have many choices to choose the exact product or service that you sell, okay? So we can't just go out there and say, oh, well, I'm gonna get the prospect to like me by asking them, hey, how are you doing today? When you get on a sales call or how's the weather down there in Dallas, George, or who won the game last night, Nancy, like your prospects know you are not generally curious about how their day is going. When you get on a sales call and say, how is your day going, sir or ma'am? Everybody knows you don't care about how their day's going. So that actually triggers actually more distrust because they know you're not generally interested. So people don't buy from people who they like. They buy from people and companies who they feel can get them the best result, okay? Mm-hmm. You like grandma. You really love your Aunt Jane, but it doesn't necessarily you're gonna mean you're going to buy from her if she has a competitor who, who you feel can get you a better result, right? I mean, if that was true, like why do people buy from Amazon? Do they just love Amazon making billions of dollars or Jeffrey Bezos? Why not go buy the same thing by a local retail store down the shop by their neighbor? They like their neighbor, but they're going to buy from Amazon because they feel like Amazon's going to get them a better result. Now, if they like you, that's just a bonus, right? But people don't buy just because they like your personality. They buy because they feel like you can get them a better result, period. So you got to focus on result-based thinking. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens, and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply because they feel like you can get them a better result, period. So you got to focus on result-based thinking. So it's kind of that real self-gratification, kind of what, I mean, what, what like you're going to do with that. That's just a bonus, but they're not going to sit here like, oh, you know, Sally's company, they can get me a much better result. But Jim, man, I really like him. He asked me how my day was going. I'm going to buy from Jim. Like, it's just crazy to think that, you know, we, we got to, we got to, you know, it's like, we're still listening to books and, and stuff like that from people that haven't sold for decades thinking we're going to get the same result when consumer buying behaviors have dramatically shifted even in the last five to 10 years. Yeah. Do you think in addition to being able to deliver, whether it be on the phone or in person, is there some element of writing 
the written type of sales when you're interacting with prospects has to improve over the where it's you know more has to be more personal or more connecting or is it like really doesn't matter just spit out that email to get their interest you should be calling anyway I mean where I does that fit in people are going to get interested in an e- it depends on how your email is written I mean let me give you an example let's say that you're you're and I don't even I call it the f u word in sales like never say the f word like I'm following up like don't put your emails <laughs> like hey Jim I'm just following up to see like everybody knows what that means like hey I'm just trying to get you to buy like stop the fu word and sales stop saying follow up so what i what we train companies and salespeople to do because i want you to think about it for yourself tyler like how many emails do you get every day that are like two or three paragraphs long and you read the first sentence and you don't even read the rest yeah all the time we tune out within three to five seconds of reading those emails okay so i'll get emails every day like Hey, Jeremy, I just wanted to follow up with you with this email. I know we talked about two months ago and you had this problem, this problem, this problem. And remember, we have this client, this client, and this client, and our solutions do this. And it's like six paragraphs long. I'm like, I don't have time to read that. Delete. They could literally say at the end, you just won $100 million in the lottery. You just have to click the button and we're going to wire the account. Like, I wouldn't even read it. Okay. And I, and your prospects are the same way. You're the same way. Everybody is, right? Mm-hmm. So when we train salespeople, like, let's say that they had a prospect that just, you know, they had a first call discovery, or maybe they did a demo and they just, the, the person missed the next appointment, the third appointment or whatever. Okay. And they've tried to call a few times, a few messages, nobody respond, simply send an email. Hey, John, uh, or Hey, Sally, just tried to reach you a few times, but did not hear back. And then dot, 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 scroll down a couple of lines. How do you want to proceed from here? question mark, send. And you'll watch 90% of your prospects will literally respond within a few seconds or minutes like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I've just been really busy, blah, 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 blah. Or, hey, you know, we're, we're, I talked to the CEO and they're not like, they're going to respond to that because they can actually read it and they feel like people want what they can't have, right? So it's like you're, you're basically getting rid of them. Or you can do another way. Hey, Sally, just tried to reach you a few times but did not hear back from you. Should we remove your account? Question mark. Or what? where do you think we should go from here? Question mark. There's three different ways to do that. And watch how people actually come back to you. Like, oh, hey, sorry, uh, you know, uh, my grandma's in a nursing home and I got a blah, 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 blah. And they'll have something and then they're re-engaging back. Stop sending the long emails. Nobody reads them. Yeah. When I used to be in staffing and recruiting, we used to send, we often wouldn't get responses back. And so we'd send an email that said, hey, we're basically working on your order for free. Wouldn't say it quite that open. Do you want us to close it? The minute you, because we haven't heard back from you, man, 90% of the time here, you'd be chasing them for two weeks. And all of a sudden you'd say, do you want us to close it? And you'd all of a sudden get the response back. No, no, no. I still need your help. So many people chasing. And I'm like, okay, it's just like if you're dating and you're out like chasing someone what do they typically do back? They stop responding because it's right. awkward. Right. So it's just human behavior 101. And I'm, and I'm so surprised. Sometimes I'm surprised, you know, we're going to like Fortune 500 companies and they haven't even figured that out yet. And they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars a year in sales, but they could wow. be doing three times that once they learn those skills. In terms of hiring salespeople, do you have any type of... Uh criteria or something that say, hey, this is probably going to be a pretty successful salesperson or yeah. is it just a numbers game? No, it's definitely, you. Want, there's definitely criteria. I'll, I'll give you one of the most important questions that we train companies to ask when they're hiring salespeople is this question. How much money did you personally invest in learning advanced skills so you could sell more last year? And if they're like, well, I bought a book for $20 or the company brought in a trainer for a weekend, sorry, 
it's not the person for us, okay? Because we know that salesperson does not take their career seriously. They are not looking to stay in sales if they're not investing themselves and learning advanced skills. Now, if a salesperson's like, well, you know, I went to the seminar on my own, you know, this other day and I I spent, you know, $5,000 on this advanced coaching program and, you know, I'm planning on going this seminar here and then my company brought in here. We're like, okay, this person is interested in their career as a sales professional. They're not just in sales to try to make a few sales and then get promoted so they don't have to sell anymore. Like that's not a salesperson you want to hire because they're going to bounce around from job to job to job because they don't understand really the power of selling, how much money you can really make as a sales professional. Or if a salesperson wants this like huge base and low commissions, that's just an automatic sign that this person (laughs) can't sell. Obviously, right? Because who would want a high base with low commissions that caps their earning ability compared to the salespeople is like, hey, I don't want any base. I'm going to have 100% commission. That's a person that can actually sell because they know what they're doing. When I was in sales as a professional, when I was making multiple seven figures a year as a W-2 salesperson, did you know I never got paid one cent in salary? I always negotiated 100% commission because I knew I could make way more. Why would I ever want some small salary? It wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, when I, multiple seven figures commission just blows my mind. And I don't know, we could talk about that all day. I do have another question. You have a methodology called NEPQ. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? What is it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a bunch of boring uh, geek stuff, behavior <laughs> science, but let, let's do this. might actually help people the most because I, I think sometimes people sure. just don't, we don't know what we don't know. Right. So my background in college is behavior science, like I wrote in the book that you've seen in human psychology. All right. So, which is really, if you boil it down, it's really the study of the brain and how human beings make decisions, like how and why somebody is persuaded to do something or not persuaded to do something that might be important for you know, business owners and salespeople, because we're all in sales, right? You're you're trying to convince, you're trying to persuade, you're trying to move others to your way of thinking. So according to behavioral science, and I'll just, I won't give you guys any of the scientific terms. Okay. I'll just try to give you some images in your mind. So according to behavioral science, there are three forms of communication. Now there's more subsets, but I'm just going to break it down into three forms. Okay. And I would suggest everybody write this down unless you're driving. Cause once you understand where you're at in your sales ability compared to where you could be, it will completely change everything for you. So the first mode of selling, okay, we call it era one type of sales. Think boiler room selling. What's the first image that comes to everybody's mind? Okay, I think you guys are like, you're wolf on Wall Street shows. There's been several, right? So we're the least persuasive when we tell people things or we attempt to dominate them or posture them or manipulate them into doing something we want them to do. Okay, it just, you know, if you guys, have you ever watched Wolf on Wall Street? I know there's- Absolutely, yeah. And I'm sure the Jordan Belfort guy, maybe he's, just portrayed as a crazy person. Maybe is, maybe it's not. I've never met him. I have no idea. But it's like, you know, hey, I got a great opportunity for you. And then we talk about the features and benefits of what we do. And we push and we tell them why they need to buy or why they need to go with us. And it's just like, if you tell your spouse that they really, really need to do something for you, and then you push them, what do they typically do back? They push push back, back. right? And here's some of the, the lowest forms of persuasion, which when I say this, people are like, what? No, presenting. We've all been taught that you have to have a masterful presentation. You've got to show them how great your products and services are. We got the best this, we got the best that. We've got AAA rating, the Better Business Bureau, our customer service awards. We've got the best owners. We've got the best prices. We've got the best customer service, which by the way, doesn't every single salesperson you've ever talked to say they have the best product or service? Absolutely. Everybody does, right? 
Everybody says that. So when people, when prospects hear salespeople or business owners say they have the best, just so everybody understands, it actually causes them to trust you less. Or when you talk down about your competitors, why? Because they're used to every salesperson saying the same thing. So according to the data, it's not very persuasive if your presentation is more than 10% of your entire sales process. You know what the average salesperson's presentation is? 50%, 50 freaking, they're just talking, right? Telling your story. Hate to tell you this, when you're selling one-to-one, nobody cares about your story. Whose story do they mean they care about? Their story, right? Given a sales pitch, we've all been taught, you got to give a great pitch. According to the science, very low on the persuasion. But have you ever watched like Shark Tank on CNBC? Oh yeah, love it. Yeah, so you watch the sharks, you watch the entrepreneurs come out, they're all excited, they're jacked, and they, they come out there, watch the body language of the sharks, like Damon John and Mark Cuban and Barbara and Mr. Wonderful. They're just like, you know, their face shrinks up. They're just like, what? <laughs> it's like, you got to ditch the pitch, right? We hashtag ditch the pitch. And the big one is assuming the sale. According to the data, very low on the persuasion pole. Hence, that's where the term, I believe, sales is a numbers game comes from, is because you're causing it to be a numbers game because you're pushing so many people away by pressuring them, especially if you're in a more of a complex sound environment that requires multiple calls and touches. You're just never going to hear from people after that first call. Okay. That's the first form. Now, the second, first form is scary. Second form is more known as consultative selling. Error two. Everybody's heard that, right? We're more persuasive when we attempt to have a discussion, uh, like books like Spin Selling. Came out in the yeah, 80s, the professor, Neil Reckham, revolutionary at that time because it taught you you needed to ask questions. Who would have thought, right? So you need to ask questions to find out the needs of the client, logical-based questions. But what's the potential downfall of the approach when you only ask logical-based questions, surface-level questions? What's two problems you're having, John? What's keeping you awake at night? What are you looking for in a solution? Well, when you ask logical-based questions, your prospect's going to do what? Give you logical-based answers in return. And do human beings buy on logic or emotion? 100% emotion. Brain studies prove that there's no debate at this point, okay? So if you're asking questions like, what's keeping you awake at night, John? Or what's the solution you're looking for? Or if you're asking him in the first three minutes, what budget do you have set aside for this type of project without finding out what the real problems are? You're just triggering sales resistance. Or if you say, uh, you know, who's who besides you is involved in making the decision? Okay, most people aren't going to open up that. But if I reword it and said, John, can you walk me through your company's decision-making process when it comes to solving problems like this? Walk me through, gets them to think about the process and who they need to talk to that comes back. It's just a way to reword that that brings out more under-the-surface answers, okay? Now, more persuasive than boiler room selling, but you're starting to play the numbers game because you're not bringing up very much emotion by simply asking logical-based questions, unless they're just a lay-down sale, okay? Now, third mode of selling. Okay, this is where it gets exciting. This is called dialogue, error type of three, okay? So we're the most persuasive when we allow others to persuade themselves. When we get them to pull us in dialogue, when we ask what, what you asked me, what are called neuroemotional persuasion questions. That stands for NEPQ. Now, we have to, you know, how do we do that? Can we just say, hey, Mr. Prospect, go ahead and persuade yourself and here's, you know, just write out the checklist. No, you have to learn specific skilled questions, when and how to ask those questions, right? We talked about the delivery, the tone, and a step-by-step structure that gets your prospects to pull you in, sell themselves rather than you trying to push them, okay? So that's the three different modes of selling. You want to make sure you're probably in the most persuasive one if you want to sell more or grow your business, right? 
Very cool. Wow. Okay. Got it. Now I do have kind of an off the wall question, but I've heard you say this. How does Jesus and Socrates play into sales? Like I, <laughs> I have to ask that question because it's just so off the wall. Uh, put, yeah. Put it in the, well, a lot of people ask me like, Jeremy, where did you develop NAPQ? And I'm like, well, it was my behavioral science and human psychology background. And when I went out there, you know, in school trying to find courses that really taught behavioral science, there was a lot of theory out there from like behavioral scientists talked about like, hey, you know, you shouldn't push people, but there was really no process. And so the professors would ask us like, hey, you need to find people and study from them. So I'm like, okay, so I went and found Socrates and found Jesus Christ. And if you read their writings, you know, even the small writings we have from Christ, you're going to find that they asked easy to answer questions Mm. that allowed their quote unquote prospects or followers to challenge their way of thinking that allowed their problems and situation to keep happening, which in turn caused their followers or prospects to become open to what they were offering them. You see the difference in that? Yeah, yeah. So that's where Christ and Socrates comes into that flow. I love it. I love it. So I got one more question for you. Two very persuasive people for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. I got one more fun question for you. You've obviously had a lot of success and you continue to have success. Is there something that you could share with myself and the audience as far as a business or a life tip that, that we can apply and hopefully make us better? Yeah, I mean, it's all about learning advanced skills. You know, the the biggest thing that that I have done since I went to my first sales seminar as like a 21-year-old kid, I went to a Brian Tracy event, which is kind of crazy because my first product came out three years ago and Brian Tracy and I actually did it together. It's called the Ultimate Closers Masterclass, which is a fun circle, you know, like 20 years later. But I went to him as a a 21-year-old kid and and Brian said a lot there, but he, he said, use your car as a university on wheels. Use your car, your vehicle as a university wheels. Like most people, 99% of the population just drive around listening to, you know, some cool music, you know, they get all emotional or they listen to CNN or Fox News to learn about politics. And I always ask them, well, how much money is that making you? How much money is CNN making you on a day? current negative news? How much is that making you? How much money is Britney Spears songs making you or Billy Ellis, right? Like how much is that making you? Zero. Zero dollars. So if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a sales professional, learn advanced skills while you're driving down the road about running your business, business skills, how to scale your business, how to communicate successfully, how to become more persuasive, because that makes you money. You literally can get a college worth of education in one year. If you drive an hour a day anywhere, if you're listening to those type of things, you will learn more than you would in a four-year degree, I promise you. Okay, what I've done since I was 21 is I've always listened to two audiobooks on sales, persuasion, and influence every single month, driving wow. around, and I read three books a month. That's five books a month times 12 months over 22 years. That's about 1,500 books on sales, persuasion, and influence that I've went through in 20 years. That's a lot. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, I mean, you just, uh, I use my car as a university of wills. I learned nothing going to college, hardly compared to what I learned even after a year of that. Right. That's awesome. So, hey, I'll put this in the show notes. Salesrevolution.pro is your website yeah. or where we'd sure, like Sure, yeah. If, if anybody wants to get some free resources for their salespeople or for them as a business owner to scale, you want to learn more advanced skills, just send them to our free Facebook group. They can go to salesrevolution.pro. So salesrevolution.pro, uh, right when they join, make sure you guys watch uh, your met, like your messages in, in Facebook Messenger because somebody in my team will message over to you a link called the NEPQ 101 mini course. And it's by my CEO, Matt Ryder. 
And Matt will break down the NEPQ process. And he's going to give you different questions that you can ask in really any sales situation you're in. There's going to be several in there that will help you some more just from that. And we go live in that group three or four times a week with different trainings, different Q&As, all that kind of stuff. So they're welcome to join that for free if they, if they want to learn how to sell more. Very cool. And then as far as your book, do you have a timeline for when that's going to be released? Yeah, is the, book it- is, the book is being published by Morgan James. Okay. So it's scheduled to be published late fall of this year. Okay, cool. Yeah, I once again, the advanced copy, really good, a lot of meat in it. It wasn't your typical sales book where you kind of like flip through it and you go, man, I've heard all of this. It's just... Yeah, you're going to hear stuff in there you've never heard before. Bruce. Yeah, there are a lot of good stuff in there. So, okay, cool. Well, hey, man, thanks so and much for your it's time. It's written by... I wanted to give a shout out. So it's Please. written by me and my co-author, Jerry Acuff, who's the CEO of Delta Consulting. It's, it's one of the largest sales consulting firms in the United States as well. So we teamed up to write that for entrepreneurs and salespeople to really get them to look at selling in a much different way for today's Very modern day buyer. Very cool. Well, nice work for both of you guys. Hey, by the way, if you, you're more than welcome, if when it does get released, if you want to come back on the show, I'd love to have you. Let's I really it. appreciated you here right. today. You are a wealth of knowledge. Thanks, man. Too kind. Thanks, man. Okay, take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.